0: So welcome to another podcast. This podcast is uh, catching up with some friends of ours who we met in Spain last year. So these guys need no introduction if you haven't already found them on YouTube. This is Sailing Kittywake and I want to introduce to you uh, Ryan and Elena. So hello guys. Hello. <laughs> so um, for people who have not, who don't know about you, just give us a, a brief introduction about Sailing Kittywake.
1: So I'm Ryan, I'm from the UK, I used to work as a civil engineer um, we set off in 2017 aboard a little catamaran called Kittiwake, and then last year mm-hmm. we changed to a monohull called Skua at Tiana 37 and that's where we're speaking to you from now.
2: i'm elena i'm originally from italy i've lived in the uk for seven years and i used to work in marketing and i've been sailing with ryan since uh, 2017 on two different boats
0: lovely well okay so firstly um let's deal with the important stuff how are your family in italy elena
2: so far so good um they are all yeah they're all on lockdown my dad doesn't even Go to the grocery store because he's near nearing seventy years old right now. So yeah, they are just sort of locked in the house, and so far, um, only one person who I vaguely know has passed away. So all in all,
0: quite hey, good. only one death. But Let's still, call that a win. Eh? <laughs> still
2: worrying, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And Ryan, your family are, are likewise safe, well, and uh, locked up.
1: Yeah they're um they're fine in the UK. Um they're all just like sat in their houses eating pasta and yeah. yeah, just enjoying a bit of family time. I think I can't tell that anyone's going crazy so far.
0: No, I managed to find a Victoria sponge cake in a shop today and I've, uh, I'm going to work my way through that <laughs> and half a bottle of rum this evening. So that's that's Monday, that's Monday in lockdown. Lockdown day
2: eight.
3: Wow,
2: can't imagine your Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Um, okay, so um, can you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to move onto a boat in the first place and kind of change your lifestyle so drastically?
2: What led to that decision? Sure, so um, basically in 2015-2016 I had a couple of cancer scares which weren't a lot of fun and uh, that sort of uh, led us to rethink life as a uh, standard work, have children, um, retire and die sort of thing and we decided that we didn't want to take the risk of Getting ill at forty fifty or seventy and uh, not being able to enjoy a retirement and didn't like the idea of just yeah working until we're retired and not being able to enjoy that freedom, so um, we figured is there a way that we can um, experience freedom while working because we're not rich uh, while exploring beautiful places, being immersed in nature, which is what we like the most in life and just doing it while we're young and we can actually enjoy it and make the most of it. So that's the uh, thought process behind our decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's sim- similar to many cruisers that we've met and talked to. You know, they have something which changes their pathway, and it obviously it, it's mm. not always difficult medical. You know, problems or medical potential problems that you that that cause that, but there's normally an event where it makes you think. Actually, do we just go now, buy the smaller boat, do it while we can? And um, just a follow-on question from Teresa's: after doing this now for three years, and obviously without the you know the the global pandemic and like you know us living in the apocalypse for the last couple of weeks, is it something that you, um, on reflection, think was a good thing? Are you sitting there going, actually, this was a good idea?
2: Oh, yeah, it was the best idea we've ever had. (laughs) And I mean, uh, right now, we feel like the luckiest people on Earth. Um, It was a bit of a stressful situation trying to get into the Caribbean. But now we're in, we're on an island where essentially, theoretically, it's now um, coronavirus free. And we're in the beautiful Grenadines. We could potentially cruise around these islands for the next foreseeable future and just you know enjoy a tropical paradise while everyone is on lockdown so yeah best just, idea we've ever had <laughs>
3: absolutely well, and i think we'll come back onto that in a moment um talking about your atlantic crossing and uh being in the caribbean you know during this pandemic because that is really interesting um but for the moment can you just um like talk to us a little bit about take us back and talk to us about the process uh that you went through from like between deciding to move onto a boat and to you know have a complete change of lifestyle, how, how, what was the process from that decision, and then between that and actually moving onto the boat itself?
1: Well, to start with, I um, had done a little bit of sailing before, so I kind of had um, an inkling that it was kind of possible to live on a boat, but. Eleanor had never obviously even heard of people like living full-time on boats um, Especially as like something that younger people do rather than sort of as a retirement um, Way of life. Yeah, so the start was probably very um, in-depth research kind of thing like Mm -hmm. figuring out what people are doing figuring out like where you can go like to start off with you don't even know that it's like You know, you can just go around anchoring for free kind of thing, figure out how much money it costs, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, we were probably lucky in a way in that we were kind of doing it at the start of the kind of like when YouTube channels were kind of blowing up. So there was lots of inspiration there for us to um, take. So the research kind of was fairly easy. We just like trawled the internet for all the information we could get and soaked it up like a sponge. And then kind of like decided that was what we wanted to do and it was possible. And then we just kind of started saving towards it, you know, like every penny we went went into the boat fund. And yeah, after two months, we started looking at boats. After three months, we bought a boat. And then we set off within a year of kind of realizing that this was possible
0: that's pretty cool I mean it's we know so many couples where one partner and it tends to normally be the bloke tries to chat the girl up in the partnership and impress her by saying (laughs) we're going to sell around the world and although it would be a little bit weird to have been a fly on the wall during these conversations (laughs) I just I, I would it would be nice to actually hear like how that actually happened because I can't remember it happened for us didn't it I told you that that's what we were going to do and we kind of like you know
3: well, I feel like we agreed together. I feel like it was quite organic, actually. I, it was. Well, but I, the, the, passion, the sailing passion definitely came yes, from but, your side. Well,
0: my plan was to get go off anywhere. That's I think right, you expanded my, that's my passion. Right,
3: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the worst choice of words ever <laughs> in a podcast. <laughs> I'm going I'm to rephrase that. <laughs> we talked about it. Let's just,
2: <laughs> Where's your script? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn it, Nick, don't go off script again. Um, and, you know, and we have another... Couple of really good friends who did something uh, similar. They they did a two year trip from the UK and then back to the UK uh, through the Caribbean, and and he did it. That, for them, it was a bet. Uh, she he said to her at a house party, um, "I'm going to sail around the world," and she said to him, "No, you're effing not." <laughs> You don't even have a boat. And he literally went, all right, then I'm going to go and buy a boat. And he spent every penny he had on a boat to (laughs) sail around the world. And that's what they did.
3: Yeah, he he sure showed her. (laughs) He did show her. And they're they're
0: still really good friends of ours. So, uh, yeah, hello to those of you who... Well, I'm not going to mention their names. If if they're they're
3: listening, they'll know who they are. (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, people who watch our YouTube channel probably already know that we are in the process of moving from a monohull to a catamaran um but you've gone in the opposite direction you started off on a catamaran and then went to a monohull what was your
2: why did you do that what happened there so initially we chose a catamaran because i can actually get quite seasick Mm. and uh yeah, so we thought that the catamaran would be um, sort of a good introduction for me to live full-time on a boat because I had no idea how to sail before yeah. <laughs> we actually bought the boat. So um, that was the reasoning behind it. And as well, there's more space in a small catamaran than on a small monohull. Um, but after a couple of years of living full-time on Kittywake, we realised that uh, she was just way too small for us. She was twenty-seven, um, sorry, twenty-six feet long, Yeah. and uh, so thirteen wide. And Ryan couldn't really stand up inside. I could stand up in a couple of spots, <laughs> um, and it was very, very bouncy on board because uh, she only weighed three tons. Wow, and after lot. a while, it, yeah, mm. after a while, it drove us a bit nuts, to be honest. You need to have um, a really good clearance um, in order not to bounce and hear every single wave splash. Yeah. Um, on your nacelle that we had in nacelle, which um, kind of looked like a third mini hull in the middle. So we basically had water splashing on it at all times, um, and it's not just the noise, but also the bouncing. Um, so those were the two main reasons: like space, being able to stand up, and Um, the bounciness of it and we realized that uh, you really can't get a cat that's big enough and high enough to uh, on a budget. Um, The old catamarans are just way too low so you'd get the same sort of bounciness problem and the noise of the splashing and uh, of course as (laughs) we are not um, we're on a budget we can't really afford a modern catamaran, even a used one so we decided to go for a monohull and um so we bought a tayana 37 uh, it's from 1976 still a budget boat but she's proven blue water she's a proven la she's a proven blue water um cruiser she weighs 12 tons so we're definitely uh much more stable on her right now and uh Ryan can stand up fully pretty much everywhere and we have way more space on board amazing and you
3: recently crossed the atlantic on that boat so obviously that was i guess the ultimate test um as you know to her seaworthiness so how did you that was your first ocean crossing wasn't it
1: yeah it was um
3: first ever yeah first
1: ever yeah amazing Mm -hmm.
3: congratulations (laughs) (laughs) thank you and how was it tell Um, us about the crossing
1: Well, overall it it went really well. Mm -hmm. Nothing broke, nothing chafed through, the sailing wasn't particularly difficult. Um, To start off with, leaving the Canaries, it was quite tricky because the wind was changing quite a lot. It was kind of like on-off wind, so we'd be reefing and reefing, and then we'd get like three hours of really strong wind, like 25-30 knots, and then it would just drop to like 12 knots Mm. and then the sea would just be like rolling us around and then um, we'd have to put up all the sails again and then it would like start building again so Mm. that was a little bit tricky Um, but then we had a decent long spell of good winds especially after we got kind of on the same latitude as the Cape Verdes and then the end towards the end it started getting squally but we probably only had about three or four proper squalls the most we saw was about 40 knots but that was only like very very brief so in general it went really well and yeah the boat handled it easily we were steering with the hydrovane all the way and yeah it's interesting towards the end it got a bit stressful though with the um, coronavirus
0: yeah, well, I mean, we, we were following your progress um, as you were crossing the Atlantic. Um, just from a point of view of sailing characteristics, we are because we've been lucky enough to see your new boat, and she's canoe sterned, isn't she? She is, yeah. Um, I really kind of I, I i imagine that downwind she sails beautifully because we we're, we're flat sterned, and as such, it does induce roll uh, in following seas. So, how how did you did you find it rolled, or do you think it was it really um, quite stable?
1: it was fairly stable but it really depends on the sail plan so what we did um we basically for a lot of the time we were goose winged but because she's a cutter we had the stay sail actually sheeted really tight along the center line of the boat and that would just um resisted the rolling so she wouldn't really like roll past um like vertical that worked really well. That's clever. Um, and no, that is
3: clever. I've never it, heard of that before, actually. That's, that's, uh, yeah. Is that something hold, that you made on, up one. on the go, or is that something that you'd, you'd read about or heard about that technique?
1: We actually heard about it from another Tayana owner, um, because obviously downwind, the staysail wouldn't normally be doing anything, but um, with the wind about like 150, 160, the staysail sheeted in tight on the opposite side to the Yankee. We have a Yankee rather than a Genoa forces the wind into the Yankee and obviously then yeah, keeps the, helps Mm. keep the boat more upright and less rolling. It was actually okay. on a sailing
2: magazine article that I found, uh, I think oh, just okay. a recommendation from Cato Rigs, because um, mm. there were different configurations for crossing the Atlantic with different um, boats. And that was where we found it. Really, really really good.
0: I'd love a cutter rig. Yeah, I I think if if we ever, if we, you know, if if we end up with a monohull, I want a cutter rig catch Mm. with a topsail. I do. I want a bloody topsail.
3: You would never use a (laughs) topsail.
0: I would. Do you remember? I remember seeing that Amel head past us actually in the Grenadines with like. Two four sails, like the, 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 the mizzen main, up. the main and a top sail. Yeah,
3: it did look pretty nice.
0: Looked, I had a gentleman sailing moment watching that. Like, <laughs> it was beautiful.
3: Yeah, it was but, pretty, uh, pretty
1: cool. Yeah, one thing about the canoe stern is that um, when she gets hit by a wave from behind, she'll just stay pointing in the same direction. So, mm. something I heard about um, it wasn't, there was a guy who was delivering a Beneteau, I think, and he said that because of the modern big wide buoyant sterns quite Mm. often if they get picked up by a wave then the boat will kind of get turned off course and then have to like find its way back on course whereas skua with none of that buoyancy at the back she'll just like go like as if she's still on rails kind of thing she'll still keep going in the same direction so it was way less worry about um
0: she long keeled as well isn't she
1: yeah she's got a long keel so there was no real worry about um accidental jibes or stuff like that like she just wouldn't go off course um yeah yeah she'll just like stay tracking really well and um yeah mm-hmm. really no, no. Long, easy canoe mm-hmm. yeah, yeah exactly. that's what you want for heavy, heavy displacement
0: passing. i yeah. think
2: in mm-hmm. general what we did was when the wind was lighter so say up to 20 knots true we would um, be goose winged and then when it picked up we would go on a broad re- on a very broad reach and that mm. worked really well for the role actually but like everyone who crossed the atlantic on a monohull, we rolled like it's, it's not a magic boat <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah <clears throat> um, so uh, the next thing is you arrived obviously i knew you you knew that this coronavirus was affecting people checking in so tell us about the woes that you had there yeah once you actually so, arrived in the caribbean
2: well um Just to give a bit of a background, um, when we left the Canary Islands, it was the 29th of February and uh, the news said that the virus spread was slowing down actually, so um, obviously there was a mini thought at the back of my mind, oh will it get worse, will we be allowed into the Caribbean, but with the good news in the um, newspapers, we were kind of confident that it was fine, we would be fine basically. I, um, I
1: actually thought that by the time we got to the Caribbean, it would have all like died out and um, gone away.
2: Yeah, because yeah. basically at that point, it was just a flu, it was just um, had a really low mortality rate. Um, so, yeah, it, it seemed like a, a fluke, uh, something that would disappear quite quickly. And yeah. then for the first two weeks at least, no one told us anything about the coronavirus. Mm. And um, because I said to my brother, who was actually... Uh, relaying any news that we didn't want any bad news while crossing the Atlantic Um, didn't really want (laughs) to overthink it (laughs) but there was nothing we could do in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean about it we'd just be worried and sad and uh, you know just not being able to get out of our of our heads so um, we literally had no idea it was that bad until um, we got here. So Really? We were, so yeah. He took that
3: quite seriously, your your <laughs> suggestion not to tell him anything. That was an really interesting yeah. conversation.
0: So anything going on in the world? No. <laughs> no nothing. There's something about Mexican beer on the news but everybody really listening.
2: <laughs> yeah, my brother just so, kept saying that uh yeah, it was good. Uh, the new um limitations of uh, not going out very much, uh were having a good effect Uh, they were following the Chinese model and everything Um, so yeah we were told around day 15 I think that um, there would be there were a couple of cases in Guadalupe, which is where we planned to land and we thought, oh, it's just normal, you know, tourist place, there will be a couple of cases. And then once uh, the islands started closing, we thought it was just a preventative measure because there's such small islands. And yeah. we thought the local authorities would be very worried about the virus spreading really quickly because everyone knows each other in small islands and things like that. So, again, we really didn't think much of it. Um, and then um, when we arrived... Um, Obviously, more and more islands closed, we first diverted to Grenada, uh, Grenada, however you want to pronounce it, and then um, Grenada closed. Um, Initially, they said we would be allowed in because we were crossing the Atlantic Ocean and would effectively be quarantined for 25 days, Mm. but then they decided to refuse entry to any arriving yacht. And then, after then, we diverted to the Grenadines, so to Beckway and um, we were in a really good frame of mind, we thought we'd be allowed in, and basically arriving to paradise, but then the night before we uh, would land, we were, I don't know, 30 nautical miles from here? Uh, It was getting dark, and we were coming in, yeah, 12 hours before our landfall, Um, some friends reported that they wouldn't allow Italian citizens into Becquiai, <laughs> mm. and I am one of them, <laughs> and um, just because they were kind of taken into, out of context, the words, no people from Italy, from coming from Italy would be allowed into the country, so coming from Italy means yeah. they've traveled in Italy and have come from there, but yeah. they were taking it as in any Italian is not allowed in, so... Yeah kind of uh (laughs) i Mm. didn't have a good a good moment at that point because we thought uh, if if beckway is refusing us entry like because of me we will be refused entry anywhere so that was um yeah that was very worrying because you know south of here there's venezuela don't want to go there and no um i think mexico is still open 10 days away anything could happen in 10 days
1: yeah so we we
2: felt a, a little bit desperate at that point because we thought we were
1: seriously be, out
2: of options. Yeah, we were out yeah. of options. Um, of course, we could have gone north to Antigua, but um, I don't know what we would have done for hurricane season because we don't know how long this situation will continue. So right.
0: Just yeah. as a... Just as a point, Antigua has a hurricane hole in Jolly Harbour because we stayed there. Mm. So, right, um, yeah. just obviously, I know we're doing a podcast, but just to relay that information to you. And the other thing is, whatever your plans for hurricane season are, book it because there's going to be a, there's going to be a shortage of spaces if, yeah. if you're yeah. hauling.
1: Well, at the moment, we've no idea. Like, we can't really go anywhere other than the Grenadines. And I don't um, think there's anywhere in the Grenadines that would haul out. So our plan at the moment is to just stay on the boat. I mean, hauling out for the hurricane season, we'd have to be on land where we'd be at greater risk of getting the coronavirus. Flying Mm -hmm. home at the moment is obviously not an option. So Mm -hmm. our plan at the moment is to just stay on the boat. And if any hurricanes come this way, we'll just sail south. And then, mm. I don't know, hang out on the boat or sail south and then turn around once the hurricane's passed or whatever. I mean, mm. it's still a couple of months away and anything could happen at the yeah. moment. Yeah. It's, it's not looking like it's going to be solved in a couple of months. But
0: no, no. who knows? And Grenada's really, it's a long way. Very, I think Grenada very rarely gets hit because of its position, which is why mm. it's such a good place. And our friends, Billy and Sierra, were there for hurricane season last year. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good option. And, you know, there's always the, the southern dash. Um, yeah. But Bequia, beautiful place. It's one of my favourite Caribbean islands. <laughs> all I would say is, when the when the fishermen turn up with the lobsters, haggle hard. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> so tell us about the vibe there. You said earlier that the you know life is still as per usual there. You know, there's no kind of restrictions on movement or anything like that. Is is that the case?
1: Yeah, that's right. The locals are still kind of like going about their daily business. Um, mm. All the shops are still open. People are out having beers and just. Um, yeah the vendors are still around the boat boys are still around the cruisers are still going to shore it seems like it's life Amazing. as normal
2: yeah but we were told by some um, cruisers who have been cruising this area for 10 years that uh, it is very very unusually empty um, so the, the anchorage is half empty according to them uh, all the charter boats aren't allowed into the country and um, part of the restaurants and bars are closed and um you know a lot of activities social activities have been um cancelled like the easter regatta um and other public you know other social gatherings
1: yeah the easter regatta here is apparently huge and like there's boats racing around and like parties Mm. all the time Mm. on every beach and stuff like that and it's just like completely cancelled but Mm. i mean for us um looking on the bright side, I mean, apparently there's like six boats in the Tobago Keys at the moment, so <laughs> right. we might head yeah, down and there and <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, look, making the most a of a bad situation, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
3: When, when we went to the Tobago Keys, I don't know how many boats there were, but I would say at least 50, like yeah. it was yeah. rammed, it was like a car park, and actually we only stayed for one night and then we turned around and we, we left, because there was just no kind of ambience, it wasn't yeah. particularly yeah. nice, mm. it was just way too busy So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely enjoy the Grenadines while they're half empty at this yeah. time of year, Beautiful time of yeah, year, so it, all the yeah, tourists yeah. will come back, and yeah. that's what
0: tourism should do try and regenerate tourism and give these islands like, uh, you know, commerce again. Yeah, I, absolutely. well, listen, um, you know, just to round this off, firstly or lastly, um, congratulations, um, it's Thanks no mean rich. feat Thank doing Atlantic crossing, um, shorthanded, yeah. you know, so yeah. you know, you've really earned, not that you hadn't before, you've really earned your stripes, so uh, congratulations, <laughs> um, yeah, nothing else I can say that you know, hat if I had a hat, I would take it off. Um, <laughs> And, and good luck with good luck with everything there um, we genuinely hope to be in the Caribbean with you in about ooh should we say 18-20 months
3: oh I'd love to say yeah, yeah. fingers within, crossed yeah. within the next
0: two yeah. years. so the boat will yes. be built
2: quite
1: so soon you've got, you got yeah.
0: some solid, solid plans going on have you yeah we've got some plans but obviously <laughs> not going to reveal it in the podcast but um, <laughs> no. yeah, so, but, yeah, but we hope to be in the Caribbean within at least 24 months yeah. so um, we beers on us when we meet again <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. awesome
0: so, yeah thanks yeah so um, so, Ryan and Eleanor, thank you so much for this. Um, lovely to hear from you again. Enjoy Beckway. Don't stress about things too much. And thank you for taking your time to talk to us. Yeah, no Thank worries. you very Thanks much for having us. us. So, that was Ryan and Eleanor from Saving Um, If you haven't already caught up with them on YouTube, they have a fantastic YouTube channel. So, yeah, another another cruising couple and their stories from somewhere in the world in the middle of a pandemic. Now, I hope you found that one really interesting. We will be back again with more podcasts detailing other cruisers' adventures, our slightly weird take on life and what our future plans are. So feel free to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Buzzsprout Podcasts, just podcasts everywhere. <laughs> and when you get tired of the podcasts, we've got a YouTube channel. All right, take care. Bye-bye.